Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Earlier this week, I uh, went shopping. Uh, I, I went down to the Edison Mall. I was kind of like uh, killing some time. And so I went down the mall and I, I was walking around. And, and um, as soon as I you know, showed up and, and as soon as I entered the mall, I realized, man, I didn't want to be in the mall. Uh, I realized, you know, like sometimes I'm in the mood to shop. Any guys like to shop? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm bold enough to say I do. Uh, I kind of have a stores that I like to go to. I like to go to Finish Line, Champs, JDs. I like to check out some places. And I'm like, bing, bang, boom, I'm gone. I'm out. Well, I was killing time and realized, man, I showed up. I didn't want to go to any stores. So I was ready to leave. I was ready to be like, I'm out. Uh, so finally saw this bookstore, went, got a book, and I'm sitting there checking my time, and it seems like it's going on forever. Uh, I'm like, man, will this appointment ever happen? Uh, and so I'm walking the mall, you know, with the mall walkers at that brisk pace a little bit, and, and I see these people getting a massage, you know, like those awkward people who are like out there in the middle of front of everybody getting a little massage. I'm like, man, is this the day I'm going to be that guy? You know, like I'm sitting there like, Ooh, I'm going to get a massage. No one knows me. My wife is not here. They had like that 10 minutes, buy 10 minutes, get 10 minutes free special going on. And I was like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't, I can't come to that moment where I would be that awkward person sitting there getting a massage. I mean, I wish I had that kind of confidence, but I don't. Uh, and so I'm sitting there. I, I decide to sit on this bench. I keep checking the time. Is this appointment ever going to come? And uh, as I'm sitting there, I'm just observing. I'm just seeing people, people watchers in the house, and people are walking by. And, and I see some this this group of young teenage girls. They're, they're walking by. And I'm like, first, I'm like, whoa, girls, get some clothes on, you know, like one of those. And and then it's like, you just see like they're, they're frantic. There's, there's some issues going on. And I could tell by the way these girls were erupting and, and kind of just navigating this conversation that somebody was mad at somebody. And you could tell there was disgust on their face. A minute goes by, another couple people walk by, this married couple, and you could just see that something happened in between that couple. And you're like, whoa, they're going through it. You know, the voices are raised, the, they're stern, their faces are like, it's almost like, dude, this guy had to show up to the mall. I'm like, yeah, bro, like I'm with you there. And then I see this young single guy walk by. You can tell that he was trying to return some things and they weren't taking it back. He was on the phone and, and you could just see there's a lot of problems that these people were faced with. You can see there's a lot of challenges these people were navigating and, and going through, and, and issues were there. How many of us know in life, people have problems, people have issues, there's perils they're faced, there's obstacles, there's, there's challenges people go through. And as a church, my hope for us today is to be able to help people through those issues to help people navigate problems, to lift people up. Sociologists for the eons and for the ages have tried to classify people in groups. 
they try to say, hey, there's rich people, there's poor people, there's prideful people, there's humble people, there's happy people, there's sad people. There's people who maybe have it all together and the people who are just struggling inside. And for eons, they've tried to classify people. Truth be told, people can't be classified but into two categories. First, we have this category. There's two types of people. There's lifters. See, you can't be a person because there's, there's lifters because there's humble and then there's, there's prideful and we've all put in each. There's people who've been happy and sad, and we've all been happy and sad. First person that we see, the first idea that we fall into, the first category that we can uh, strive to be is the type of person who is a lifter. My hope for this church, for this faith community, is that you are someone that lifts others up. When it comes to being a lifter, it means you're enjoyable to be around. You know those people in life who, like, you, you brush shoulders with them and you just have a great time with them. They're pleasant. They're optimistic, maybe. Maybe they, they just bring a smile and they're present. It just makes you feel so good inside and you're like, man, they're great people to be around. Also, there's those people who lift others up because they're smart. They're business savvy. They challenge us in the way we operate, maybe when it comes to our careers. They operate and they help us to become individuals that are smarter, that gain knowledge and intelligence, and, and they're great to be around. They lift you up, they challenge you. But then we come to this other side of a type of person that I think a lot of people might struggle with and maybe not realize they fall into this category, and maybe they do. And that type of person is someone who is an anchor. Second type of person is you can be an anchor. And, I, and an anchor is, I'm not talking about an anchor as like you anchor everybody down in, in a good way. I'm talking about maybe you're, maybe dead weight. Maybe it's a ball and chain. Maybe it's like, man, you walk into the room and you, and you suck the life out of the room. You know any of those kind of people? Don't raise your hands. And, and you're like, man, these people, like you avoid them in the workplace. You're like, dude, I don't want to be around that person. Nope. Like, hey, they're coming. Everybody eat your lunch real quick and go back to your, to your offices. Don't be around those people. And they can anchor everything down. They, they're, they're like, they're just this, this ball and chain. They're like instant oxygen removed. And you're like, oh my goodness. Those people, the anchors, and we struggle with them, and, and, and maybe they're those people who are just tolerable. You ever be around somebody, maybe you have to take a car ride with one of those coworkers, and you're like, Lord, you're praying all morning, God, just help me tolerate this person, and you make it through. See, really, the only two types of categories we can fall into Every other category, we've kind of put a foot in one and put a foot in the other. We've been humble, we've been proud, we've been happy, we've been sad, we've been rich, we've been poor. And every category we've flirted with. But today, we're going to be talking about two categories you can either fall into. You can be a lifter or you can be an anchor. That's the question you have to ask yourself. Am I going to choose to lift those up around me? 
Or am I going to be a person that, man, you are an anchor to a boat? See, I want you to be the wind beneath someone's wings. You know that song, right? You know what I'm talking about? Not an anchor to a boat. Not someone that just keeps people stuck. Not someone that is just uh, there that's tolerated by peers. I want us as a church to be individuals that leave this gathering place, go into the marketplace, go into our communities, our schools, our workplace, and say, I want to lift you up. I want to encourage you. I want to maybe challenge you to be the best version of yourself you can possibly be. See, a lot of times we think, hey, I'll encourage maybe a Christian brother or sister, or, or maybe, hey, I'll, I'll encourage someone and I'll be nice to someone who, who maybe is a, a friend of mine. But really, as a community, the best way we can show individuals Jesus is by being lifters, not anchors. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Are you going to be a lifter or are you going to be an anchor? I'm going to take your attention now to this book called Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. If you're new with faith uh, and, and trying to understand who Jesus is and how he relates and connects in your life, Jonah is found in the Old Testament, minor prophet. And, and in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, you read it, and there's some kind of crazy things that happen. And you're like, whoa, bro, I don't really understand some of these things. We say this here at Faith, the Old Testament points to Jesus. The Old Testament declares, we see a theme of Jesus' coming. And so we see Jonah, and he's an Old Testament minor prophet. And oftentimes when you study the prophets of the Old Testament, you study their message. But in Jonah's case, you study the prophet. You say, hey, what can I learn from the way and how he lived his life? What does Jonah maybe uh, uh, show us? I don't know if you've ever heard about Jonah. Maybe you grew up in church and you've heard the, the big tale of Jonah in the fish, or is it Jonah in the whale? And the theologians, they argue, oh, it's a fish. No, it's a whale. It's a fish. It's a whale. And then at the end of the day, we're like, dude, can a man even really be swallowed by a fish or a whale, survive for three days? We're like, Phew. You know, it's kind of like mind-blowing. And maybe you grew up like me, and you had the flannel graph. And you're like, hey, here you go. You get to put up the whale. You get to put up Jonah. And we go through that whole situation. And you read about Jonah, a radical story. But I'm here to tell you, Jonah actually existed. Jonah, his father, is the way his father's name is written, Amemetai, Amatai. I can't even, like, say it right. Like, sorry, language issue for me. But, but it means tr son of truth teller. So when we see Jonah, he first appears in, in the book of Kings. And then we fast forward into the New Testament. And we see Jesus talks about Jonah in, in Matthew chapter 12. When Jesus talks about Jonah, he's talking about this repentance that Nineveh had. And when Jesus is talking about Jonah, he's, he's comparing it to the religious elite of Jesus' day and age. Jesus' time. And he's saying, hey, you need to have, and he's talking to these religious leaders, he's saying, you need to have the repentance that the, Ninevi the Ninevites had and not maybe this, commit this adultery, this spiritual adultery that many religious people were having during Jesus' time. So Jonah, he existed. Jonah, he was the man that the story of the flannel graphs were about. 
Jonah radical life lived three days in the, in the belly of a fish or a whale. He ran from what God called him to do. God reoriented and reworked his circumstance. Then Jonah goes to this city called Nineveh. He speaks to him and these radical amount of people come and meet Jesus or meet God and they repent for their sins. So it's this crazy story. And a lot of times when we study Jonah, we study all the way up to chapter three, Jonah and the whale. Oh man, Jonah lived in a fish, Jonah went to Nineveh, people repented, everybody celebrated. And a lot of times what we skip over is chapter four. So that's what I wanna take your attention to this morning. Join me, Jonah chapter four, we're looking at all 11 verses, we're gonna read them together right now. And this is how it's going to apply to us. Jonah, a negative kind of guy, and we're gonna actually rework the situation and say, hey, what can we learn from Jonah's life and be a lifter in our communities, in our church, and and around us and the people in our circle of influence. So verse one, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? He's talking about how he would call repentance from the Ninevites and how people would turn back to the Lord. That is why I ran, ran away from you from Tarshish. I knew that you would be a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn your back from destroying people. And Jonah, he's just like this, just kill me now, Lord. I would rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city. He made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Verse 7, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for the scorching heat from the east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat him down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Jonah has never lived in Florida, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? And Jonah, his arrogance, says, yes, yes, Lord, it is right. I lost my shade. I lost my air conditioning. It's okay for me to die. Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die? Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about a plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120 
thousand people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? To understand this, in case you missed it, Jonah, selfish, negative, wanted to end his life three times, alludes to that in these 11 verses. Wanted to give it all up. And God is challenging him, saying, look at everyone who is around you living in spiritual darkness. Don't they need an opportunity for some hope? I think oftentimes we can live our lives with people around us in our communities, our neighborhoods, and we can get stuck in our ways. It was Jonah's way. And say, you know what, I just want to do what's pleasing to myself. And we're not seeing everybody around us that's living in spiritual darkness, that is missing the opportunity of hope, that's missing an opportunity of compassion, that's missing an opportunity to experience a radical, genuine love of Jesus Christ. My challenge to you today, the way you can lift people up is by leading them to the Lord. The way you can lift people up is by being the best Bible someone can ever read. The way you can lift someone up is realizing there is a lost, messed up, mixed up world that needs some hope, and that is delivered through God's people. Understand that, church. So let's look at Jonah's story, how to lift others up. Let's start here. Be motivated by what motivates God. Be motivated by what motivates God. So Jonah's going through the whole scenario. He's mad. He's frustrated. He's like, God, I ran from you because I knew what you would do. I knew that you would have compassion on these individuals. I knew that you would forgive them. I knew that you would have grace on them. That's why I ran from you. So God gives him an object lesson. God says, hey, here's this tree. It's going to grow. The, 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 the tree gives him uh, some shade. Jonah's feeling pretty good at the time. And then discomfort, worm comes away, and God challenges. He says, Jonah, what did you do to, to give, right now, what did you do to have this shade? Jonah's like, I did nothing. Jonah comes this, for us, how we can understand that is this. How can we receive the grace of God? Not by what we've done, but by what God's given I want us to understand that because that's essential to the gospel. We get a real opportunity to experience hope because Jesus died for all of us. Jesus gave his life so that we wouldn't have to on the cross. It's important for us to grab that because it's nothing by how good we are, how we do efficient works. It's nothing about saying enough prayers. It's about the salvation we receive by accepting Jesus. God's motivated by people. God's motivated because he saw wicked people in spiritual darkness needing hope. Right now, our communities, our world, you watch the United States, you click on the news, and you're like, man, there's some confusing stuff out there. People are living in some really dark ways. They need some hope. See, a lot of times we get this mixed up and we let our motivation become things that aren't people. I want us to understand, God's motivated to save his people. God's motivated to see lost people come and begin a real relationship with him. Jonah needed a motive check. Jonah 
needed God to come into his life and say, hey, look, this is what motivates you. This is what the kingdom of God is about. Loving God, loving people. A lot of times our motives get reworked. For instance, we get motivated by wealth. When you let wealth become your number one driver, there might be circumstances in your business where you want to cut corners, cheat taxes, maybe oversell a customer, maybe take advantage of a widow, maybe go through some, some different avenues where in the truth of it is, is like because you want to have a certain price point, grow your business or, or make a certain amount of commission, you cut corners. And what happens is then you're not living pleasing to God. Or then maybe it becomes power or popularity, and you're like, hey, I want people to respect me, acknowledge me, look at me. And so what you do, you kind of speak down maybe on other people. You kind of say, well, they got some issues there. You hear about their family, you gossip a little bit. See, when our motives start to waver and not be of God, we start to mess up and, and miss what God has in store for us. When God is bringing Jonah's attention, he's saying, hey, right now, your motive is people. Look at the wicked people who are now repenting because of the message you delivered, Jonah. I think a lot of times when it comes to our motivation, we can get discouraged. You ever been discouraged when it comes to your motivation? You're like, yeah, I'm going to wake up every day, 4.30 in the morning, I'm going to work out. And then you're like, I'm going to start next week, you know, like... And it's like, oh, that Monday comes, seven days, you're like, I'm going to start again next week. Like, I keep telling my wife, I'm going to get back in the gym next week. You know, like, that's where I'm at. And a lot of times our motive gets challenged and we get set back and we're like, oh, I just can't do it anymore. Or, or, or we're kind of throwing off and we're just like, oh, man, and, and, and we just want to give up. And, and this is, maybe you're in here right now and your marriage, you're discouraged there. You're like, man, I come to church with this person. I don't even know this, like, I don't know if we're going to survive tomorrow. Man, maybe you're in here and you got a diagnosis and you're like, God, like, if you really love me, wouldn't you heal me? Wouldn't you touch me? I'm faithful. I'm involved in my church. I love people. I've been a great steward of who you are. And you might be discouraged. If you're discouraged and you feel like your motive's kind of like going out the window, I want to remind you and reset you to this. God's motivated by people. Therefore, we can be motivated by people. If you're struggling internally, if you're struggling with things of life, with the hardships of life, I would encourage you to point to the people in your life. Think about the people in your life. Who can you encourage? Who can you give a smile to? Who can you buy lunch for? Who can you say, hey, I want to bless that person. I want to care for that family. I want to love on those individuals. You might be torn up, messed up. Things aren't going your way. You're down and out and, and just depleted. I would say, hey, are you motivated by God? And if you're motivated by God, you're motivated to love people around you. See, Jonah missed it. He was motivated by himself. See, God, I, I knew if I would have done this, then you would have just shown unrelentless compassion to these people. He missed that God's motivated by the wicked people. He's missed to see lost people come and meet him. So how to lift others up? Be motivated by people. Paul writes to his, his young apprentice, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, I urge you, first of all, 
to pray for all people, ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. All people, he says. For there is one God, one mediator, and one reconciled God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave up his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is a message God gave to the world at just the right time. So how to lift others up? Number one, remember, be motivated by what motivates God. Two, know the difference between this question. Does it help or does it hurt? Does it help or does it hurt? Does your opinion help? Does the statement help? Does the action help? We call this emotional quotient. Like, you have to come to this understanding, like, hey, just because you can say something doesn't mean it's the wise thing to say something. Jonah, quickly, in in chapter 4, verse 3, says this. He says, just kill me now, Lord. I would rather die and be dead than alive if what I predicted would not happen. Just kill me now. Three times he says that. How selfish is that? Like maybe you're in here right now, you asked that someone, that special someone on a date, you slid into their DMs and they rejected you, didn't respond to you, and then you get all mad and you're like, you know what, Uh, I'm going to kind of treat my parents ruthlessly. Or maybe you're in here right now and you're you're going through something and and you're you're frustrated a little bit and you're like, hey, you know, I presented to my boss, I had this great idea to my boss, and your boss shot it down and said, that wasn't a great idea. And then you go and, and maybe treat your coworkers in not a very nice way. We gotta ask ourselves routinely, every day, in, out, inside, and outside of the way we live our lives. People we're comfortable with, people we're not. We have to be, is this going to help or is this going to hurt? I call this the Amazon box, the Amazon package illustration. My wife, uh, I calculated recently, the ratio between her Amazon purchases and mine is 17 to 1. Okay, I'm exaggerating there. She really, but, but here's, this is what happened. One time we were having these packages, they were delivered on the doorstep, and as they're delivered on the doorstep, I'm like, man, is my wife ever going to go get her packages off the doorstep? It's been like 24 hours. Like, there's three boxes. Like, people are going to be like, hey, it's, it's a for sale. It's free. Come grab a box. Like, you never know what you're going to get. And so this one time, I finally got a little frustrated, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go through those boxes. I'm going to cut them open. I'm going to see what we got. I never know what we have. Somehow, things just appear in my house. I don't know if you can relate with that. So as I'm sitting there, I'm like going through the boxes, and I'm like, okay, hey, put those back, put those back. She comes home, and she's like, hey, um, you went through my packages. I said, absolutely. I need to know what's going on in this house. Actually, they're just pa- they're stacked up in front of our door. And we kind of got in a rift. And she's like, don't go through my packages. She enjoys going through and opening the packages. Like, it's her thing. So I was like, fine, you can do that. But I came to understand this. My wife didn't like me getting into that package, that box, whatever she ordered. But what she did like is when I would take them inside and put them nice and neat on this bench right by our front door for her to go through. So I say that meaning this, sometimes you don't have to to ask or you don't have to get in people's business. 
You don't have to, uh, to, to, to know all the details. You just have to be willing to point them in the right direction, put them in the right place, and say, hey, I'm going to do it because I'm going to support you. That next time that friend comes and gossips and, and is spilling out their heart about their spouse, rather than agreeing with them about their spouse, you say, hey, you know what? Um, maybe you should give them the benefit of doubt. Maybe what can you do to encourage them? Maybe I should go see counseling. Maybe you should read this book. Maybe you should watch this message series. We're talking about marriages next week. I encourage you, bring your spouse. It's going to get a little interesting. It's going to be fun. But we've got to ask ourselves constantly, is it going to help or is it going to hurt? We see Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Another individual I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Elijah, completely depressed, mountaintop experience, and then he wants to end his life. See, a lot of times, if we are not prepping ourselves to ask ourselves, is it going to help or is it going to hurt? We're going to miss all that God has in store for us. You read on in Elijah's life. He then has an apprentice by the name of Elisha, and he gets up to heaven by a fiery chariot. Talk about awesome. Is it going to help? Is it going to hurt? If you want to lift people up, that's a question you always have to put in front of you. Thirdly is this. If it's going to help, if it's going to hurt, if you're going to lift people up, we need to ask this. Do I initiate the positive in a negative environment? It's easy to be positive when things are going good. It's easy to be positive when things are neutral. It's really hard to initiate the positive when things are, are tough. It's hard to be, I'm going to jumpstart my life. Jonah, verse chapter 1, verse 2. These are wicked people. We see this. God says, announce my judgment against these Ninevites, against these people, because, because of how wicked these people are. Go announce it. So Jonah knows how ruthless. They're from the Assyrian Empire. I mean, they would fillet their enemy. This, this group would have a history of like grinding their uh, loved one's bones when they would die so that you would erase their memory. I mean, these were sick people. You think of every barbaric sexual practice they would engage in. Messed up people. So Jonah knew that. God was even declaring that. We see this parallel between Sodom and Gomorrah back in Genesis 19 where God literally obliterated a city with fire. Because these people were so messed up. These people are so wicked. But through it all, we have to be willing to look for the positive in the midst of a negative circumstance. Are you going through a negative thing right now? Are you initiating the positive? Are you initiating the good? Are you initiating what maybe you're missing out on? Are you, are you, are you initiating maybe some circumstances that need to change? Are you, are you initiator? You can't just wait, sit back, and say, hey, hey, I just need it to happen. Jesus says this, maybe you're heavy in your burden right now in Matthew chapter 11, 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He goes this, for my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. So you might be in here, negative circumstance. Your only possibility to initiate something positive is say, Jesus, I got to come to you. I got a heavy burden in my life. I need help. 
Maybe you got to take that step of faith. Maybe at the end of service, you can come up here with our prayer team and pray. Maybe you need to engage in worship and say, God, right now, I'm broken. But in order for us to lift others up, we have to be willing to say, hey, there might be a negative circumstance, but I'm going to jumpstart the positive. Jonah was missing it. Jonah missed the object lesson. He saw this negative. The negative was, hey, they're wicked people. The positive is this. These wicked people are now repenting and following Jesus, following God. It says, hey, and it comes, hey, the negative Jonah saw, I'm hot. It's really miserable out here. (laughs) And God says, hey, did you do anything to create this and to even have a little bit of shade? You have to be willing to initiate the positive despite the circumstance. And then we're going to close with this, how to lift others up. Understand this, life is not a dress rehearsal. Life's not a dress rehearsal. I know that's a little confusing for some guys in American culture right now, uh, but life's not a dress rehearsal. We've got to be real about that. We've got to understand that life is very serious, that your encounter with people, to be a lifter, they might be the only people, those individuals might be the only people they brush shoulders with. Your experience, the way you engage with them, initiating the positive, saying, hey, they matter. Maybe it's a smile rather than a frown. It's not a dress rehearsal. I wish we could just live like life was cotton candy and, and fairy tales and unicorns, but no, it's not. There's a very real enemy that wants to take as many people as he can, destroy as many marriages as he can, uh, uh, help people be depressed as much as they can, be overwhelmed with anxiety as much as they can, where they're paralyzed and they can't move forward. We have to come to this understanding like, hey, when we leave these doors, we're in the battlefield, friends. We're saying there's people out there that need us to deliver a real and radical message. That message is Jesus and the goodness and graciousness that he gives each and every one of us. In Jonah 4.10, then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. How many times we get caught up with plants or get caught up with the little things in life? Though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh, this great city, has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. I mean, if you got any dogs out there, like, whoo, they're now following the Lord in Nineveh. Like, oh, yeah. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? God says. I love what the late great preacher D.L. Moody says. says, do all the good we can to all the people you can in all the ways you can as long as you can. Church, we got to understand that. we got to hold on to that. We want to be lifters, not anchors. So I want to challenge you with this closing statement is this. We are a church family that lifts people up. Say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. We are a church family that lifts people up. That means that we got to know the difference between what helps, what hurts. That means we have to understand people are our motivation, not our wealth, not our spouse, not uh, our families. It, I mean, it's, it's people, lost people, seeing what we can do to help people, care for people, to love people. We have to understand that we have to be initiators of the positive, even despite our circumstances. And we also have to see that when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, Life's not a dress rehearsal. So I'll ask you, first question is this. 
Pray over it. Are you a lifter or are you an anchor? Are you a lifter or an anchor? Second question I want to leave you with this is, how do you need to lift someone up this week? How do you need to lift someone up this week? The way we're going to end our service this morning is simply this. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray. And then we're going to go on our way. And I want to challenge you. I hope you come to this place and you leave here lifted up, saying, like, let's go. There's lost people in spiritual darkness. They need Jesus. I'd like to say, hey, I don't, I know we read Jonah and the, the whale, Jonah and the fish, but I, I don't really want to sound like Jonah in chapter four. I want to be opposite. I want to be someone who lives, someone who believes. So I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. They're going to be down here on my left, your right. And if you need specific prayer, maybe it's, maybe it's healing. Maybe it's just, maybe it's some mental hangups that you're wrestling with. Whatever the case might be, we want to pray with you. Maybe you're trying to figure out who Jesus is. We want to pray with you. We want to help you know who Jesus is, how he's the Lord and leader of your life. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, so we don't have to. He was in the grave three days. There's this parallel between Jonah and Jesus that we see. God raised him from the grave. He ascended, gave us his Holy Spirit, sits at the right hand of God, and it's our mission as his church, as his bride, to declare that salvation to our world. And maybe you want to meet Jesus and you haven't began a relationship with him. I want to encourage you to do so, and our prayer team would love to partner with you and help you along your faith journey. But I'm going to challenge the rest of us as well. Be a lifter this week. It's not about how good things are. It's about lifting those around you who are in spiritual darkness, maybe those who just need an uplift this week. Be a lifter this week. Let's pray together, church. God, we give you this time right now. We worship you. We praise you. We say thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. We give you today. Lead us and guide us. Help us to be lifters in this place. Help us to be encouragement to those in our communities. In your great and holy name, we all say amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.